Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. We're starting a new book this month, Ernest Holmes' Creative Ideas. I'm starting out with the idea of success, uh, but I want to read a little bit from the foreword. This foreword is by Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, another famous New Thought teacher, and she had the honor of writing the introduction to the reprint of Ernest Holmes' book. She says, I have used these prayers to write books and compose music. Holmes makes the great creator accessible as a power within each of us. I've used these prayers for comfort at times of death and tragedy and as courage in times of personal challenge. I have found them to be a comfort in loss and an alchemist formula for making gold in the dross of disappointment. My book of creative recovery, The Artist's Way, is grounded on these fundamental principles. For me, Ernest Holmes is the modern master. The spiritual, ma- the spiritual magician who transforms trouble into that magical creature called opportunity. So success. Um, first of all, I have a problem with success in that it can be different. It is different for each one of us. And to, to maybe highlight that, of course, I did manage to find a joke for y'all. So there was a man who had a dog which he was attempting to train with very little success. He was on the verge of despair, and he happened upon a charismatic evangelist. He unburdened his soul on this problem to the preacher, and the evangelist said, no problem, leave the dog with me. I'll have it trained in no time. Well, the very next day, the man returns and asks how the evangelist got on. The reply was positive. The evangelist calls the dog to give a demonstration. Picking up a stick, he throws it and says, fetch, boy. Instantly, the dog takes off, grabs the stick, and returns. The evangelist says, drop it, and the dog drops the stick at his feet. Roll over, said the preacher, and the dog rolls over. Well, by this time, as you can imagine, the dog's owner is ecstatic. Uh, He asks the evangelist, could I have a go at it? Could we try? Sure, replies the evangelist. Heal, says the owner. The dog lifts one paw, places it over the man's forehead, and begins to pray. So, (laughs) there's success, and there's success, right? The key to success is having a good vision of what it means to you. So this month we're going to be talking about three key elements to having our dreams made reality, having what we desire to be made real in the world, and it has three basic steps, and we're going to be going over these three really all month. The first one is having a mental equivalent of what you want. If you don't know what success looks like, feels like, tastes like, or if you can't at least imagine it, you will have trouble. And sometimes when I say the word imagination, you might think, well, like daydreaming? And kind of, yeah. If you can visualize in your head, if you can have a sense of what you would like to see in your life in terms of success, and, and again, I'm not specifying what success is to you. When I say the word success, some of you are probably thinking in business terms, right? Some of you, maybe your salespeople are saying, well, success for me is if I can sell a certain number of 
of homes or, you know, or whatever it is that you might be selling in a week. Some of you, when I say success, you'd go, you know, success for me would really be repairing that relationship that I have with my cousin that just went south 10 years ago and we've never been in the same sense. Some of you, when I say success, might be thinking of a hobby or, or something that you like to do uh, as a relaxing thing and you just want to get better at it. Success at water skiing or success in the garden, or right? Uh, success can mean so many things to different people. And if you don't have a clear idea of what it means for you, these tools actually aren't going to work. Now, sometimes I get pushback. Sometimes people will come up to me and will say, well, doesn't God know better for me than I do? I'm just going to turn it all over to God. Well, I think there's some merit in here, but there's also some false thinking. The merit in it is, once we know what we want, that we can turn over to God. Believe me, I'm absolutely on board with turning over the effort and the how it's going to happen and the, the what it's going to look like and all that. I'm absolutely okay with turning that over to God. But you know what? Since we are part of God, it is through the image, the ideas in our own mind, that's how God creates success for us. That's how God creates anything for us. So if we don't have what Ernest Holmes calls a mental equivalent, if we're clueless about what success means, then we're not apt to experience it. So we start, or at least I always start, with the idea of building a mental equivalent. Now you might say, what is that? And what it is, in a way, is a mental picture, a mental idea, a set of concepts in my head that represents what I want to experience in the world. So a mental equivalent around good health would be picturing myself maybe running a marathon or, or, or picturing myself in, the, in the, the prime... Some of you are laughing. It could happen. <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> but the idea is we picture ourselves in the condition that we wish to see ourselves. And we bring up some vivid pictures, literally vivid ideas and pictures in our mind. We picture ourselves having that which we desire. We picture ourselves being, in this case uh, of today, talking about success, we picture what success would mean to be. Is it meeting those sales goals? Is it uh, finding that relationship patched up and thriving? We picture in our own mind, and we picture us in it, what would it feel like if my dreams came true? What would the experience would be like? Uh, w literally, what, what would I be wearing? What would I be doing? What would it be like? And we don't do this with the idea that God is going to recreate every little detail because the important part really is to feel it, is to perceive us in the middle of it. The details may end up being slightly different, but if you're feeling that sense of success, if you're picturing yourself being successful, if you know that you can and you will be successful, that is what God uses as a template for moving you forward. And I want to use an example in my own life. Uh, uh, let me play my violin for a minute, and I'll tell you the sad, the sad story that leads to the happy story. So the sad story was uh, about five or six years ago, I was trying to figure out uh, the exact date, but it doesn't matter so much. The church got a letter from our home office uh, in Colorado, and it said, uh, we're very sorry to inform you that the minister's retirement fund has gone bankrupt. Uh, 
and we will not be providing any retirement income for your minister. Of course, that minister being this, this minister, <laughs> this minister like right here. And the, frankly, I was kind of counting on that $2,000 a month. The church had been putting in on it. It was part of the deal when we signed up to be ministers. The minister's retirement fund had been in, uh, uh, in fact for close to 100 years. Uh, and the truth was, apparently the last five or six years it had been kind of mismanaged. And there was no money in it. They closed it out. So there, now I'm done playing my violin. Uh, but I got to tell you, initially a little bit of shock, right? And what happens when something negative like that happens to you? Started cycling in my head are all the things that could possibly happen that are what? Negative, right? I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm too old to start putting money. I mean, I've been putting money into my retirement, right? I'm too old to like start over. I start having thoughts of, well, I'm full-time employed here. I can't get a second job to start stashing away things for retirement. I don't want to leave here just with the hope at having a church that has its own retirement fund built in or something like that. All these thoughts of me being like like 80 years old and, and trying to get the deposits on cans to live. Or, I mean, I know. And some of you are saying, Larry, that's not going to happen. But yet, don't you have... Terrible, crazy thoughts like that when things go wrong. Okay, so two things had to happen. One, I had to get a new mental equivalent of how life was going to be. Because my old mental equivalent included getting a couple thousand dollars a month check from, from the minister's retirement fund in addition to my social security savings, right? I had this plan. I had a mental equivalent that took a, a, a derail. So first of all, I had to say to myself, well, all of these worries are just crazy. I know the power of my thinking, the power of mental equivalence are going to have me living in high style when I'm retired. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen yet. And here's where I do think we can turn things over to God. But I had to have some exact clarity. I'm not going to be homeless. I'm not going to be uh, scrimping together coupons to make sure I can get Tillamook cheese when it's $1.99 a brick, right? It's, it, it, it's like, it, it's, it's like I, that is not me. And it was so clearly in my vision, is me, that I just took a sigh of relief. Now, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I know that it is going to happen. I'm going to undo this negative thinking, and I'm also going to begin taking steps along a path of figuring this out. I don't know the answer now. Uh, God's going to help me figure that out. God's going to help me flesh out this mental equivalent. But the mental equivalent was financial integrity. The mental equivalent of retirement was having a good time and doing some traveling. You can see where I'm going with this. I, I repictured my mental equivalent of how life was going to be and tried my best to release the fears. Okay, a couple years later... Uh, so, so I'm doing my work on this, but still not exactly sure how this is going to map out and being okay with that. A couple years later, we had someone in the congregation that said, you know, we ought to have a writer's group. Wouldn't it be fun if a bunch of us who have either published books or who are interested in, in maybe uh, writing a book, let's get together and support each other. And I felt, first of all, never written, I mean, uh, in any 
public way, like publishing anything. But you know what? It felt like a step. It felt like a step into my mental equivalent. I didn't know how. I didn't picture myself really being an author. But it felt like I was doing something that would get me closer to my goal of fun in retirement. And even if it was only a hobby, that would be fun in retirement, right? Well, I just finished publishing my second novel. I have my third novel well underway. I have a book of short stories about three quarters done. I'm not worried anymore about retirement income, right? But I want to go over these three steps again. Because I tell you, if I had shorted any one of the steps, I might still be worried. The first one was the mental equivalent. And we cannot skimp on that. We have to really know what success looks like. In that scenario for me, success was being in retirement in a way uh, that afforded me a nice lifestyle, that afforded me the ability to travel a bit and to do the nice things uh, that I wanted to do to, to keep our house and so on, right? So first of all, I fleshed that out and saw myself in it. Not just as kind of a dream of something that, gosh, I, I would hope would happen, but I really felt myself living in it, if you will. And in fact, um, take a look at this. That same year, we did storyboards upstairs. These are, now keep in mind, this was before I'd published even a novel. Here are four novels that are published. Here they are on different bookcases, right? Here's my imagination. So, so you see, I was working on this, right? I was building up the mental equivalent of what it meant to be an author, fitting in with me, uh, viewing myself as being financially free in retirement. And the next thing, though, that I had to do was stop all the negative thinking in my head, all the limiting beliefs. I had to ask myself questions like, well, okay, so I am in my early 60s. Are you saying, Larry, that people in their 60s cannot earn a lot of money? No, of course they do. Some of the richest people on the planet are, are earning good livings in their, what we might think of, close to retirement, right? Why would I assume that for me, I would have trouble, right? Another thing that I was thinking of, well, well I'm so busy here, I mean, gosh, being in ministry is really a full-time job. I know there's the occasional purpose that thinks, well, he only works one day a week. Isn't that sweet? Uh, but most of you know that kind of isn't the way it is. And so one of the false beliefs I had was, where am I going to fit this time? Where do you think I fit the time in? I'm watching about two hours less television. <laughs> When you feel energized and want to do something, you will find the time for it. It's easy to find the time for activities that you're motivated to do and that you really enjoy. You will find the time. So we have a mental attitude. We work on diffusing and getting rid of the negative thoughts that might stand in the way of it. If you think about it, our mental equivalent can be full of things that are to do, but they can also be full of the things that we don't want to do. So often our brains are a mix of things, right? Uh, one person once said, well, my head is just full of everything from soup to nuts. And the, the trouble with that, of course, is I hope you like nuts with your soup. 
And so if you are, have negative thinking, even if you have a positive spiritual equivalent of what you want, the negative thoughts will muddy it up. You're going to get a mixture of your nice mental equivalent mixed up with all the lack and limitation that's still swirling around in your head. So absolutely, you have to take yourself to task. And this can be an effort to rein your negative thoughts in. Why would I think of myself as being destitute and trying to clip coupons and find, uh, and find cans to turn in, right? Why would I do that? That's crazy, Larry. And that's the way you have to sometimes approach yourself. When you have those limiting thoughts, when you have those negative beliefs that are going to get in the way of your wonderful mental equivalent, you have to just take yourself in hand and say, that is not the truth of me. It may be true for other people. Maybe other people in their 50s poop out, but not me. It may be true that other people in their, uh, in their declining years just have to scrape by on social security, but why would I picture myself that way? I just have to take myself in hand and say, this is not the truth of who I am or what I expect from the world. Now, the third part of this, in some ways, is the easy part, I think. The third part of this is simply to take steps in the direction of your mental equivalent. And so like in my story, when that writer's group came up, even though I'd never written anything, even though I didn't really have an idea of how that would fit in to my overall plans in life, there was something in the back of my head that said, take the step. Now for me, that was easy, but I also recognize for some people, trying new things is difficult. Sometimes we want to think that we're going to be perfect at something from the get-go, that I'm not going to try that if, if I might fail at it. What if I'm miserable at it? What if, what if I get halfway through my first book and the writer's group won't even let me do a reading on Sunday nights, right? It's like, what if, what if, what if? And we're back to that negative thinking again. We have to be willing to take a chance. So the third part of this is moving in the direction of this mental equivalent. And you have to be a little bit on the fearless side. You have to say, well, for one thing, I don't know how fast or how slow this is going to go. It might take me a few years before I'm proficient in this or before I feel good about what I'm doing or, or whatever measurement of success. Because what I know is, if you're not successful now and you don't do anything different, you're likely to be basically in the same position in five years from now. So from the get-go, we know if we want to see improvement in our lives, our lives are going to change a little bit. And so we have to be up for that. We have to be ready for it. We have to be a little bit fearless about it. I am going to try new things. I'm going to try out for a show. I'm going to try a new hobby. I'm willing to, to, to put aside a, a couple hours of television watching and, uh, and do something completely different because it's in the direction of my dream. It's something that I have not achieved yet, but I can see that if I follow that path, I get closer rather than what? Rather than further away. So the nice thing about this idea of treating, in science of mind we call it treating and moving our feet. We treat, meaning we do the prayers, we build the mental equivalent, we do what's necessary on the inside, we treat, we do a treatment, and then we move our feet. We start taking steps in the direction of where we want to end up. I like to think of it as a spiritual compass. 
And literally, once I have that mental equivalent in my head, everything that comes my way, but in particular the significant decisions, I say to myself, if I make this decision, will it take me closer to my dream? Is it a step towards my mental equivalent of success? Or is it a backward step? Is it something that I've always been doing, which has just created my life as it is now? Am I taking a step backwards or am I taking a step forwards? And I have to tell you, occasionally I will take the step backwards. Occasionally my fears are difficult to overcome. I will own up to that. But isn't it nice that I'm making it as a decision rather than a knee-jerk reaction that something new is scary? And I have to tell you, because I think of that, more often than not, I will take the step forward. More often or not, I will say to myself, okay, I may not be perfect at this, but I'm gonna give it a go. I'm gonna give it my best shot, because I see that it's leading me where I wanna end up. I see success there in the distance, and this is one of the steps that could lead there, and so I am willing to give it a go. May change my mind. I may take a different step. I can always take that step backwards, but I'm not going to right now. Right now, I'm gonna throw caution to the wind. Right now, I'm gonna say that I'm worth taking this minor risk to move forward into something new, something different, a new kind of a Larry, because it fits in with where I wanna be. So quickly, let's go over the three, the three steps here. And really, if you think about it, they're the three steps for bringing anything into your life. We've been talking about success here, but this is how you bring love into your life. This is how you bring beauty into your life. You think of a dream, this is how you achieve it. You build a mental equivalent, you make it as rich as you can. You might try doing storyboards, you might try doing visioning. There are a variety of techniques, but the idea of it anyway is that at the end, you have a rich picture of how your life can be and you see yourself absolutely in it. You see yourselves as having it, as being it, as it being alive for you. The second step is getting rid of the limiting beliefs. I gotta tell you, anytime you picture yourself different than you are right now, there will be hesitancies, there will be thoughts in your mind of, well, I couldn't do that. Uh, or thoughts of, oh gosh, I'm not smart enough to pull that off. Or, oh shoot, I don't have the training necessary for that. Well, not yet, right? So you have to work one by one through all of those limiting beliefs, blow them out of the water, say, does that have to be true? Does it have to be true for me? Does that have to be true for me in the near term or altogether? We start really bargaining with our own thinking. Do I have to believe that? Would it be better if I believed something different? Why wouldn't I simply believe that I'd be successful? Other people are, why wouldn't I be? So that's step two, that's getting rid or changing the limiting beliefs. And then the last one is putting it into practice. And we talked about a, a bit of that. First of it is using it as our spiritual compass. Am I getting closer to or further away with each decision I make? But I will tell you, the other thing that will really jumpstart this process is putting your mental equivalent into a daily practice of some kind. So every morning, maybe you're meditating on this idea of success. Every morning as you perhaps uh, say your science of mind prayers, you include your picture of success 
in that. When you do journaling, you do journaling around, where might I be in five years to further strengthen and tease out that idea of success and that mental equivalent for success? Maybe you write a, a, a sacred covenant with God on success, which uh, el elucidates what you're expecting from the divine, right? And your part in moving forward in that expectation. There are probably, probably as many different ways that you can move forward in this as there are people in this room, but we need to include a component of this mental equivalent in our spiritual work every single day. If we wanna make headway here, if we wanna see a quick turnaround, those ideas have to be expressed as prayers, as meditations, as other ways so that that, that mental equivalent becomes ever more alive in your mind. That's the template that God works from. That is the template that God works from. The reason we can't uh, expect God just to bring success to us when we don't even have an idea of it is how would God know what suits you? God goes with the templates that are in our head, whether they be positive or whether they be negative. And so when we have an idea of what we want in life, whether it's success, whether it's love, whether it's joy, whether it's peace, we build the mental equivalent that is how God responds to us. God says, thank you. I needed to know. I thought maybe success for you was the dog training story. I, I didn't know. <laughs> now I can see the mental equivalent that is so rich, so heartfelt, so alive in you. I will start bringing the opportunities. I will start bringing the options and the choices. All you have to do is wake up and see they're coming your way and make a decisions. And this life that you desire is yours. I'm going to close today, uh, of course, with a, a lovely prayer out of our book. Uh, but I also want to do a quick visioning session with you because honestly, knowing what success is, in this case, is probably more than half of the issue. Most people, if you ask, uh, ask, would you like to be more successful? They'll say, well, yeah, of course. And then you say, what is success to you? And they're like, oh, oh, yeah. So close your eyes. We're going to do a bit of science of mind style visioning here. I'm going to ask just a series of questions and what I know about each one of you. Each one of you is intimately tied into your higher wisdom self through your intuition, through your ability to visualize and sense what's true for you, I know that you will get powerful answers to these questions. The first question is, what is spirit's highest vision for my success? Each of us, in collaboration with God, can achieve outrageous success. So what is spirit's highest vision for your success? We ask and we listen. Simply allow the pictures, the words, the ideas. Allow sights and mental ideas just to flow into your brain. No need to censor them. What is spirit's highest vision for my success? Begin building that mental equivalent with the pictures, the thoughts, the words. It might be success in your job. It might be success at home might be success in a hobby or a sport. 
What is Spirit's highest vision for my success? Next we ask, what must I release to achieve this success? There probably are limiting thoughts and beliefs, hard-held visions of things that could go wrong, beliefs in not being good enough or smart enough or handsome enough, well-trained enough. Release them all. What must I release to achieve this success? These are the hidden ideas that you're going to have to work on, but it's best to know what they are. What must I release to achieve this success? Next question is, what must I embrace to propel me forward into this success? Is there a new way of thinking? Is there a new way of being? Uh, what are you committed in to to be different in you? You want different results? Your thinking is going to have to be different. Your, your choices are going to have to be different. So what must I embrace to propel me forward into my outrageous success? Is it a word of God? Is it self-love? What must you embrace? And the last question, what is the next step in the unfoldment of my success? It's just one foot in front of the other. Allow your imagination, allow that contact with your higher wisdom self. What is the next step in the unfoldment of my success. What might be that next step you could take? So I mentioned that this book we're using this month is a book of prayers. And so I'm gonna simply take out the prayer that Ernest Holmes wrote to go with identifying myself with success. He writes, I know that I am in partnership with the infinite. I identify myself with this partnership, knowing that it always leads to success. I accept that the action of infinite intelligence is in back of everything that I do. It is always manifesting itself, and it now does so through the thought patterns of success that I'm establishing for myself. Conditions and situations about me now start to correspond to my new mental equivalent. The invisible presence and powers indwelling and surrounding me, which is forever making manifest my thoughts, now create for me the success for which I have identified. For this, I am grateful. I let it be. And so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you joined us today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. 
The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.